This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if this may be the first time you've ever seen our telecast. We hope that you'll stay tuned today. We're studying today out of the book of Ephesians. We'll be looking in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. And our lesson is entitled, An Off and On Religion. I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now, we continued off with the free Bible correspondence course that we have mentioned on previous telecasts. We have it available to, for today for you to, to uh, study. And then you fill out the questionnaire that's in the course. You mail it back to us for grading. Then we'll send you a very beautiful certificate of completion. We hope that you'll uh, avail yourself of the opportunity to get the Bible course, that you might know more about it, that you might know how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. As we look in the book of Ephesians, I'm in the fourth chapter now, and I want to read to you just a few verses out of chapter 4 beginning in verse number 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. As we look in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, the first thing that we notice in this chapter is the emphasis that is placed upon unity. And there are certain conditions out of which unity grows. Look at verses 1 and 2. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. And then we learn in the third verse that we are to work for Christian unity, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then in verses 4 through 6, Paul lays down a platform for unity. There are seven things that he mentions in this platform. First of all, he says, there is one body. The one body is identified in Ephesians 1, verses 22-23, as being the church. Listen, he put all things under his feet 
gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. So in Ephesians 4, Paul said there is one body, one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guided men in the revealing of all truth. John 16, verse 13. There is one hope. In Romans 8, 24 says we're saved by hope. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1, Christ is our hope. One hope. One baptism. And that's a baptism in water unto the, or for the remission of sins. Jesus commanded to go and to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. When Peter taught at the house of Cornelius, he said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And they were commanded to be baptized. One baptism. And then there is one God. Verse 6 says that he is the God that, uh, who is uh, above all and through all and in you all. One God. There is only one God. So we're talking about unity. But then next he talks about the putting off of the old man. What does it mean, the old man? Well, it's the former life. Notice verse 22 Again, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 22, where he makes plain exactly what he's talking about. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. And he said that old man grows corrupt. The old man of sin is to be put off. This old man is characterized by such things as dark thinking. Notice in verse 18, having their understanding darkened. Dark thinking. Dark understanding. They are alienated from God. Alienated from the life that is in God. Another characteristic of this old life is ignorance. Notice he says in verse number 18, because of the ignorance that is in them. And then here's the hardness of heart. He refers to it as being the blindness of the heart. That's the old man, the old man of sin. And characterized by dark understanding and dark thinking and alienation from God and ignorance and hardness or blindness of heart. Such a lifestyle resulted in immorality. Notice verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Maybe that explains the lifestyle of many in our society. Their understanding has been darkened. They are alienated from God. And there is a hardness in their heart that has resulted in an immoral lifestyle, a lifestyle that would separate them from God. They've given themselves over to lewdness, to all kinds of uncleanness. What a difference, however, Jesus makes. I want you to notice verses 20 and 21. But you have not so learned Christ. 
You didn't learn that kind of a lifestyle from Jesus. You learned a different lifestyle from Christ, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Christ. So Jesus makes the difference. The old man needs to be put off. And Jesus teaches us something totally different. Well, what is it? Well, Jesus talks about putting on the new man. In verse 23 down to the end of the chapter, he talks about this new man. And we're to put away all of the things that are negative. Notice in verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying. And that's characteristic of that old man, lying. Put away lying. And then let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. And then in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And then he says, let him who stole. Stealing would be characteristic of that old man. Let him that stole steal no more. And then verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. That would be characteristic of that old man. And then do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, verse 30. That would be characteristic of the whole man. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with all malice. All of those are negatives that are characteristic of the old man. So put off the old man, put on the new man. And in there, so in the place of the negatives, you put on the positives. Why, in the place of lying, you start telling the truth. Always tell the truth. Honesty not only is the best policy, honesty should be the only policy. Put away lying, let each one speak truth with his neighbor. And then he says, let those who steal stop stealing. But on the other hand, instead of stealing, let him work laboring with his hands. Why? So that he'll have, be able to help people who are in need. And then instead of having corrupt words in your mouth, do speak words that bring necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And then instead of having bitterness, and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking, and malice in your heart, why don't you put on kindness? Be kind one to another. Be tender-hearted. You see, all of that is the normal conduct when you're in Jesus Christ. So you see, this you take off the old, you put on the new. And when we become Christians... The old man is gone. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul there wrote, Therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So you take off, you put on. You take off the old, you put on the new man. The new man in Jesus Christ. In order that you might be that new man in Jesus Christ, you must be born again. In John the third chapter, a man by the name of Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles thou doest except God be with him.
Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To see the kingdom meant, meant to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom, the pleasures and the blessings of the kingdom. So Nicodemus asked, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus was thinking not of a fleshly birth, as was Nicodemus, but of a spiritual birth. And Jesus in verse 5 said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so in order the man might be born again, he might be a new creature in Jesus Christ, he must be born of water and of the Spirit. I have long believed that the Bible is the best commentary on itself. And I believe that Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 and 27 are a divine commentary on John chapter 3 and verse 5. In Galatians 3 26, Jesus said, For you all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. The way that we become children of God is by faith in Christ. But how do we get into Christ? Verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. We put Christ on in the waters of baptism. Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, does that mean that baptism is essential to one's salvation? Friend, I can only tell you what Jesus said in Mark 16 and verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. In order that we might be a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ, not only must we believe in Christ, not, not, not only must we repent of our sins, but, but as a penitent confessing believer, I'm to be baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I'm baptized into Christ, I can say I've been born again. I'm now in the family of God. God is my father and I'm, I'm his child. And the old life is gone. It is gone. It is gone forevermore. And now I have a new life to live in Jesus Christ. What is the result of that new life? Suppose that an individual says, well, Brother Lambert, I want to become a Christian. But what kind of a life will I then have to live? Well, as we move into the fifth chapter of Ephesians, we learn something about that new life. And the very first thing we learn is that I will have to learn to love like Jesus loved. Listen to verses 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us. So we've got to walk in love. We must learn to love like Jesus loved. And the love of Jesus was a love that was willing to be put out for other people. Be, it was a love that was willing to, to be inconvenienced for other people. More, more so, it was a love that was willing to give its own life for the benefit of other people. We must learn to love like Jesus loved. Secondly, once we become children of God and we're living that new life, we must avoid sexual impurity. 
notice verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Then he goes on and says, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Rather than being involved in sexual impurity, rather than being involved in, in possessing a covetous spirit, rather than engaging in foolish talking and coarse jesting, we need to avoid things like that. We need to avoid them. As, as we read down in verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. And rather than living a life like that, we need to live a life of thanksgiving. Avoid all of those kinds of things. One of the things that we must do once we become children of God is to use the time that we have to the very best advantage. In verses 15 and 16 he says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We need to use our time as wisely as we possibly can. And we need to understand God's will. Notice verse 17. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now that's the result of the new life. You see, I put off the old man when I become a child of God. I put on the new man. And the thing that I need to understand is it's not enough for an individual just to be baptized. You say, well, Brother Lambert, you've emphasized baptism on getting to know your Bible ever since I've been watching it. Yes, I, I have and I will for as long as I'm preaching on it. But I want us to understand that it is not enough for an individual just to be baptized. Why, when you're baptized, you become a new creature in Christ and now there is a life to live. You can't continue to live like you once lived. You can't go back to all of the things that you once did and continue to do those things. That's involved in repentance. When we repent of our sins, we make up our minds that I'm going to get out of the willful, deliberate sinning business. And I'm going to give up those things. If It may be that your weakness is, is strong drink. Well, if you become a Christian, that's going to be a point that you're going to have to be very careful with. You're going to have to be watchful. That may be a weakness for you for a long time until you grow in the faith. But you can't continue to engage in that and walk the walk of a Christian. You see, a new life is a life where we learn to live like Jesus we learn to love like Jesus. And we have to then avoid certain things. We can't be involved in those things. And then we need to use all the time that we have to the very best advantage. Don't waste our time. So much time is wasted in foolish, foolish things. And the only way that we can understand the will of God as, he, as we're taught in verse 17 it is by studying the will of God. I've had people to ask me over the years, Brother Lambert, how, how did you learn the Bible 
like you seem to, to know the Bible? How, how did you learn to memorize uh, passages out of the Bible? Well, it wasn't because I would take the Bible and put it under my pillow at night and sleep on it. It was because I studied and I worked at it. I worked at it. When I preach a sermon, it's because I have been studying and working and diligently searching the Scriptures to, to make sure that what I'm telling you is the truth. You see, we have to understand what the will of the Lord is. And then when we begin to live that new life, I want you to notice verse number 18. He says, Do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess. The New King James says, in which is dissipation. But he says, be filled with the Spirit. You see, when you begin to live a life for Christ, it's a spiritual life. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, I could not speak unto you as, as unto uh, uh, as bathed, but I was speaking to you as a carnal. They were living carnal-minded lives fleshly lives, worldly lives. And so in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, he says, be filled with the Spirit. We need to live a Spirit-filled life. And then he said, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What a sing. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We do that on the Lord's Day in our worship. I don't believe singing to praise God is limited to the Lord's Day. Some of the fondest memories that I have of my mother are seeing her go about her housework singing, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Another fruit or result of our living this new life is that we have hearts that are filled with thanksgiving. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's one failing of mankind, it's a, it's a failure to be thankful. I'm thankful for so many different things. I'm thankful for the country in which I live. I'm thankful for those who put on the uniform of this nation and went off to battle to help preserve the freedom that you and I enjoy. I'm thankful for the blessings that God has showered upon me in so many different ways. I'm thankful for my family, my, my mother and my father. I'm thankful for, for my, the, my brothers. I'm thankful for my wife, my children, my grandchildren. I'm thankful for all of my family. I'm thankful for friends that I have. And I'm thankful for the measure of good health that I enjoy. All of us, I suppose, have things that, that trouble us at times in this old physical body. I'm just thankful that I'm able to stand right now and preach out of the Word of God. We need to learn to be thankful people. And thankful people are thinkful people. We have to think about it and think about all the blessings that we have 
that come from the hand of God. There's a song that's often sung. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And then verse 21 says we're to be mutually submissive. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Are you living that new life? Have you put off the old man? Have you put off that old man by obeying Christ and having your sins washed away in His blood through repentance, confession, and baptism into Christ? Are you living that new life? Has your life become tainted once you are baptized? Well, then I'd encourage you to do what Simon was told in the 8th chapter of Acts, and that's to repent and ask God to forgive you. If that's something you can do in the privacy of your home, I'd encourage you to do that right now. And I want to encourage you to live a life in Jesus Christ. It's the greatest life that a person can live. Now, in the closing moments today, I want to give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You're going to find people who have been baptized into Christ, trying to live the Christian life, trying to do what's right, and you're going to find people who will help you as you struggle along the way trying to live for Jesus Christ. It's not always easy, especially if we have had problems of various things in our lives in the past, you're going may need some help, encouragement. And I want to encourage you to visit the Church of Christ when you possibly can. Don't, don't just drive by the building, as one man told me one day. He said, I kept driving by and driving by until I finally decided to stop. And now that man is a Christian. He and his wife both are. And also right now, why don't you pick up the telephone and call for the Bible course? And if you would prefer, you can take the Bible course online. And we have that information on the screen as well. We just want to help people study the Bible, get to know the Bible better. And we want to thank you for watching our telecast today. Tell other people about getting to know your Bible. And we join us again the next time. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you is my prayer. I feel like my professors care not only about my progress in their classes, but also me as a person. Having teachers that will pray for me is incredible. Providing a Christ-centered education is the heart of everything we do at Fulton University. From the classroom to the sports fields, we emphasize integrity of character and a godly attitude in all phases of life. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Oh,